You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff. This is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil, and uh, Jeff and Ken, how are you today? Good morning. Good Top morning. morning to you. Good morrow. Uh, Ken, do you know what's in your, your mouth right now? I, I don't. It's Hugh Jackman's Beams. Hugh Jackman. Oh, you mean the coffee? The coffee. Oh, laughing, the coffee. Laughing the coffee. man. The coffee. Okay. Laughing man. It's Hughes Blend. Hughes Beans. Hughes Beans. Yeah, all of his proceeds go to charity. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's a nice coffee shop in uh, in uh, New York, and uh, they had a really small storefront, but now it's a, a much bigger shop uh, in Tribeca. So. Okay. So if it's for charity, I don't mind uh, saying that Hughes Beans are, are pretty good. Yeah, why not? Uh, and Jeff, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm great. As always. You're looking up maps, which we'll have to explain in just a minute here why you're doing that. But Because uh, it's Jeff. He always looks up maps. That's actually pretty accurate. That's how he gets his uh, his jollies. Yeah. <laughs> the old map man getting his jollies. Billy Joel should write a song about that, Jeff. Uh, Matt isn't here today, uh, unfortunately. Uh, he was also looking up maps, uh, but he, he got the wrong map, and the GPS told him to drive into a river. Is that an office reference? Yeah, kind of. Okay. Drive into a lake. All right. Small lake. I tried to fit in the office for Matt since he's not here, but we have some great guests here to uh, to make up for Matt's absence. So uh, first, let's introduce uh, our guest who's going to be competing today. He's going to be partnering with Jeff. Uh, he's coming to us from Tipperary, Ireland, and he's an Oakland Five supporter on Patreon, and that's Paul Lawler. How are you, Paul? Hey, lads. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Thank uh, you for joining us. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so I'm a service engineer from uh, Tipperary, Ireland. Uh, basically spend five days a week traveling around the country, servicing uh, certain types of machines, mainly medical device companies. Um, since I spend a lot of time driving, spend a lot of time listening to these lads and the podcasts, uh, really helps pass the time, helps me uh, keep up with, um, you know, trivia. It's pretty good. Well, we're happy to keep you just on the brink of insanity at all times during your drives. Yeah. It, it keeps me awake. You know, I get the odd uh, joke from you guys. I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe I won't fall asleep. <laughs> there you go. That's the opposite of my brother. My brother listens for it to put him to sleep. Yeah, right. Uh, but thank that's you. nice. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, thank you, Dave. Dry, I mean, to be fair, you know, he's he's heard you drone on for years before the show went out. So <laughs> that's true. He's probably kind of used to it. It's maybe a comfort blanket. He's probably used to it. You're right. Uh, and Paul, I believe, is our first Irish uh, Patreon supporter and first Irish guest on the show. So nice. congratulations for that. Right. Cheers. So. So Jeff was overlapping maps of Ireland and Illinois to just kind of compare the size. 
Yeah, what did, what did you find, Jeff? I actually found that Illinois is like 55,000 square miles, and Ireland's like 32,000. So Illinois is wow. about 40% larger, actually. Jeff's, kind of al- Jeff's always trying to compare the size. You know, it makes our vacations really awkward. So anyways. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, <laughs> while Jeff continues to look at his maps, uh, we have a very special guest host with us today. Uh, she is a Savage Superstar on Patreon coming to us from Bloomington, North Carolina, and that is Bettina Michelli. How are you? I'm good. And actually, it's um, Wilmington, North Carolina. Did I say Bloomington? Yeah. I'm thinking (laughs) of Illinois on the brain. I'm thinking of Illinois. That's why, because we have a Bloomington here in Illinois. So Wilmington, North Carolina, um, sometimes known as Bloomington, just to me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm originally from Delaware, which I think is smaller than either Ireland and Illinois. So, Um, But thank you for having me. Um, I live with Stefan and our four kids, and I'm a nurse and a nutritionist, and I work as an educator and volunteer coordinator at a urban farm, which is part of a community enrichment program that gives food out to our community, our um, food pantries, and helps the food insecure in our area. Doing and, a lot of good work. That's there. Awesome. <laughs> a lot of great things, yeah. Yeah, and um, I just... Recently got into trivia over COVID and started playing online quiz league, um, which is a Facebook group, and started writing sets for them. And um, Kelsey Barkham, who's a friend of the show, said that I should uh, listen to Triviality and submit some questions. And here I am. So I'm really happy to be here. A little nervous, though, but very happy w- to be here. Wonderful. <laughs> and thank you, Kelsey, as well, for, uh, for pointing her our direction. All right. Well, Jeff is going to go uh, cross-continental and uh, uh, team up with Paul here. Do you guys want to be the cross-continentals then? Yeah. And uh, me and Neil will be the uh, same rooms. The same rooms? <laughs> same rooms. Same rooms. No rooms. <laughs> and uh, let's get the rules read. Triviality Podcast is two rounds of 20 questions worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there's a special swing round by this week's host. In the final round, players wager points they've earned for a chance to become the cream of the crop. I am the cream. So I think that rules read was in an Irish brogue. Paul, how do you rate it? Uh, a, a little work. Maybe it was probably a bit more of a, a Kerry Irish accent. You know, that's hard for a lot of people to understand at the best of times. But yeah, not bad. All right. His resume said Galway, but it was probably wrong. I, th- I didn't know Gilbert Gottfried was Irish. <laughs> very Irish. Very Irish. <laughs> so that, that's what that that's what that voice is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bettina, uh, feel free to uh, take it away. We're excited to play your game. All right. Thank you. Um, question one, a crowning achievement. What national monument originally operated as a lighthouse and was the first in the United States to be powered by electricity? This former lighthouse was first lit up in 1886 and operated for 16 years. In 1924, it was designated a national monument and it currently attracts 4 million tourists per year. I think we'll go ahead and lock in on this one, right? Yeah, that's. I think that could make, maybe work. All right, Paul, uh, any any inklings to what you think this might be? I mean, the only thing that really pops to mind for me is uh, the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, the, when I think about um, tourist attractions that attract 4 million people, it's going to have to be something pretty popular. Um, the only th- other thing I was thinking was um, I know one of the first places to be heavily electrified, and this was because of the... Um, 
hydroelectric power they could generate was in Niagara Falls, but that doesn't make sense for a lighthouse. So no. I, I think you're right. I think it's going to be the Statue of Liberty for us. I'm happy to lock that in. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And I, 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 I'm thinking she's holding the torch for a reason. So we said Statue of Liberty as well. Oh, and that's correct. It's the Statue of Liberty. Good start. Mm-hmm. Strong start. Yeah. Um, question two, Academy Awards. What cartoon character has been featured in three Academy Award winning cartoon shorts, which is the record for a Looney Tunes character? In the first winning cartoon, this character went by his original name, Thomas, a reference to the male in his species. I know there's a, a animated character who was a host of the Oscars, but I don't think that's fitting the clue. But Ken, you just said one that could be possible. You want to just go with it? Sure. Okay. All right, Paul, hoping you're like a secret Looney Tunes aficionado over there or... No, because it's funny <laughs> enough. Just constantly in Paul's place. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that guy running behind me? No, I, honestly, the first thing that came to mind was like, who had a, who, which character had a name change? And I'm like, was it Mickey Mouse? And I was like, Mickey Mouse is not a Looney Tune. Uh, so, um, and even even the name change, uh, or sorry, the 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 male of the species. I'm trying to think of Tom's. I know. You know, ducks. You've got drakes, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to run through Looney Tunes characters. Um, I don't think pigs are named Tom, so I don't think it's like a Porky Pig. No. Um, Marvin the Martian. You know, he's not based off a of animal as such, is he? Yeah, right. No, I don't. I don't think so. We've got uh, what is it? Uh, Daffy Duck. We Again. already talked about that. Could be Drake. Yeah. Um. So we can roll that out. Um. The only other one I could think of, and you know, I'm imagining he's in a lot of shorts, would be like a Bugs Bunny. So I don't know anything about rabbits, but um, I've got a field of them outside my house. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll ask one of them. I say, Hey, did you ever be in any Oscar shorts? Are you okay um, going with that? I I don't have anything better. I, I'm good with it. Okay, we will lock in with Bugs Bunny. We wanted to go Tom from MySpace, but Ken said it has to be an animal. Yeah. <laughs> Just a brilliant, brilliant fellow that just cashing out. Mm-hmm. I admire that. Yeah, you got to. Um, no, we just went off a Tomcat, and we figured uh, maybe Sylvester is, is the one we're looking for, always going after Tweety Bird. And it's Sylvester. Sylvester, James Pussycat Sr. <laughs> the first short was yeah. Tweety Pie, and he was called Thomas, and he received a name change in 1948, a year afterwards. Yep. He actually was also the the most to die uh, the Looney Tunes character that died the most. Ah. Died? I didn't yeah. know any of them actually died. I knew they were mortally wounded, grim. but... I thought... He's the Sean Bean, Sean Bean of Bean, yeah. Looney Tunes. <laughs> Paul is the same thing. Great minds, Paul. Very good. I just hope if he's a lawyer, he's not practicing bird law. Actually, do you know who really holds the record for movie deaths? I Ooh. believe. Is it Christopher I Lee? I think it's Christopher Lee. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think, and, I think and, Sean... he's, and he's one ahead on real life deaths too. True. I, I think Sean Bean is more the popular answer. <laughs> no, I love Christopher Lee. I don't know why I had to do that one. All right, let's get question three. Okay, question three is phobias. What are sufferers of ablutophobia fearful of? Though traumatic past events have been cited as triggers, there were also increased reports of this fear as a result of watching the death of Marion Crane in a famous 1960s thriller. So I know the th- I know what they're referencing. So just go with the thing. All right, we will lock in over here. Marion Crane, I believe, is psycho. Oh, um, is it the first thing that came to mind when um, Bettina said the phobia was ablutions? Yeah. Um, 
uh, has that had anything to do with uh, a toilet? You know, back in the back in the '60s, you know, when I was just a younger younger lad, I went to see Psycho in the theaters, and as soon as the shower scene started, I was like, "Man, I really gotta go to the bathroom." Went to the bathroom, came back, different movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and between showering or I don't know, evacuating your bowels. <laughs> we can we can say showering. I think that uh, you know, I think that makes sense. I. I but I feel I do feel ablutions is probably closer to the other one, yeah, for some reason. So I'd hate to, it for it to be that, and then for it to be wrong. But look, hey, look, it happens all the time. It's it's only for fun. So they're going with showering. Um, you did have an idea, Ken, that might be the right answer. Yeah, but it was based on their discussion because yeah. we locked in right away with showers. But um, I think it's actually drains. But showers is our answers. Um, and Marion Crane was killed in the shower, and ablutophobians are afraid of uh, washing oneself or showering. So. Oh, okay. Cool, 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 cool. Almost over. Cool, cool, I don't even cool, know cool. if they're called ablutophobians. I might have made that one. <laughs> might want to edit that. <laughs> but people are. Phobiacs? Well, there's and a lot of people ab- in the news talking about Jake Gyllenhaal apparently being ablutophobia. Ablutophobic. Oh. Is there a joke? Ablutophobic. Okay. Well, no, he just no, he said, he's shower. like, yeah, I don't really shower all the time. And oh. then people are just jumping on him. Same maybe he with, bathes. Yeah. He bathes. Maybe he does bathe. a good bath. Yeah. Or maybe he smells. He could smell. Maybe he has his pheromones are just Jill and Holly in yeah. and they're a little no, smelly. But no, your ablutions are like your, your cleaning rituals, I believe, now okay. that I've heard that. So I think that could be anything oh. related to like bathing, washing, So when Ken showering. comes to scrub you with a, with a loofah, <laughs> that is a, an abluta. What is it? A Ablution? Ablution. Speaking yes. of ablutions, I just went back to Lush and got my got my karma soap. I feel much better. Okay. It's been it's been a year like with a year no and a karma. half. No karma. <laughs> um, so question four is recordings. Um, using a microphone plugged into his iPod, Chris Hadfield recorded most of his 2015 album in this unique location. Prior to this recording, Hadfield had also sung a cover of a David Bowie song at the same at this same location with the cover going viral on YouTube in 2013. Where were these recordings made? This is not me right here. That's not me either. I'm just trying to think of somewhere that would be unique with an iPhone and a microphone. Um, I, don't, I thought I don't it, even know who the, the person is. Initially, I thought she said James Hetfield. The Metallica <laughs> yeah. <thing. laughs> but I was like, that's weird. <laughs> um, all right. I just have a random guess here. If you think it's just kind of a weird. Go with it. I have no idea. Okay. So. We're going to lock in over here. I'm pretty sure I have this, Jeff. You probably know it as well. I, I don't, so it, oh. please help me. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure it's the International Space Station. Chris oh, Hatfield's yeah, the astronaut, astronaut. astronaut. Yeah, James Hatfield. That's right. Yay! Not James Hatfield. Yeah. Chris. Yeah. Chris Hatfield. I knew <laughs> I knew that name for some reason. But yeah, Chris Here Hatfield. I go now. Here I go. <laughs> floating into space. It's, it's, it's funny because I, I wouldn't be a huge Metallica fan, but I would be a Metallica fan. Um, and my fiance, she like she doesn't mind it. She like she likes their songs and stuff. Yeah. But the one thing she hates is James Hetfield when it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now Whiskey the world is down there. This one. Give me stars. Give me space. Give me moochies on my face. <laughs> All right. So you guys say uh, ISS, and yeah. we said a cave. We just said a cave. Okay. Yeah, so his album, Space Sessions, Songs from a Tin Can, was at the International Space Station. Oh my god, he did a David Bowie cover. And the David mm. Bowie song was Space yep. Oddity. Yep. <laughs> I, awesome, Paul. Thank you. Okay, question five, conspiracies. 
In 2017, President Trump accused what country of sonar attacks on U.S. diplomats? The diplomats had reported strange symptoms, including nausea, profound headaches, and memory loss, after visiting this country's embassy in 2016. The illness has now been reported globally, with over 200 officials affected. What is the name of the country? And for five bonus points, what was the name given to the syndrome affecting the diplomats? Yeah, so at the time, there was so much uh, crazy stuff coming out that I completely missed this one. So I have no idea. Do you want to just pick a We can pick a We can pick a country. I, I remember the Russia, article. Right? Not Russia. You, you wouldn't say that. No. Um, I don't I'll remember. China. China. Yeah. Let's just, yeah, we'll just do a hard lock in, a quick lock in on China. I'm doing the hands. China. <laughs> You're pulling some thread apart? Yeah. Yeah. China. Paul, do you hear anything about this? No, um, I know we see we do see a lot on U.S. politics, and you cannot avoid seeing anything based around Trump, uh, especially over the last four or five years. But um, for some reason, the first thing that came to mind was Georgia, and I was like, "Would he have visited Georgia in Europe?" I, I can't see it, but Moscow syndrome is the first thing that came to mind. I don't know why. I mean, maybe it's just the leftover Cold War brain. But it's not um, Stockholm syndrome, no. I don't believe it's <laughs> Stockholm syndrome. I think that one's already taken. <laughs> um, there's there's too many choices. Uh, we we can. Or so, Russia. Yeah, Russia. Yeah, we just went a little uh, close by, and we said China. Okay, so the country is actually Cuba, and Havana syndrome. Havana syndrome is the name of the syndrome, and they still don't know what it is. It's either sonar attacks or microwave attacks, or some people even say it's just night crickets that they miss heard <laughs> but wow yeah. um well after five questions uh we have a little bit of um tie syndrome because we're tied at 30 so <laughs> cool. yeah so um for question six this is actually a question that my my son my nine-year-old son aaron is a huge fan of your show and the simpsons so this is a simpsons question Ooh. okay what's On your the... son's name by the way give him a shout out aaron aaron thank you aaron yeah so on the simpsons episode whiskey business Homer must perform CPR to revive his friend Mo. Fortunately, Homer remembers that chest compressions are giving in timing with a certain BG song. Unfortunately, though, for Mo, Homer thinks it's another BG song. What are the two songs mentioned in the episode? And both songs were number one Billboard hits in 1977 and the other in 1978. All right, Ken uh, threw one I wasn't expecting, but it fits the time period. And we had another one that we think is the, the sort of the easy one. Um, and hopefully we're right. So we're going to lock in. All right, Paul. Um, I believe the correct one is "Staying Alive," yeah. which has a, a little hint of irony in it. Um, <laughs> the other one, I'm trying to think of a slower BG song. Um, I don't think it's "Night Fever." I don't think it's um, "Saturday Night Fever." Uh, tragedy. Tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that'd be a hilarious one to do to the beat, but. Um, um, uh, I think maybe we, you want to lock in tragedy as a joke answer, That's, though. Yeah, it, it's good kind answer. of funny, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a homerism. And we went with uh, staying alive being the correct one and Greece being the maybe incorrect one. <laughs> so um, staying alive is correct, but the number one billboard hit in 1977 and then their first billboard hit was actually How Deep Is Your Love? Oh. <laughs> How Deep Is Your Love? <laughs> I knew there was a ballad in there. I was just like, I can't remember it. There you go. That's a good one. Um, so question seven is collectors. And 
this has Matt in it. So, since Matt and I have both worked as baristas, more than likely we have served a sucrologist or two. What specific item does a sucrologist collect? And just a fun fact, the Guinness World Record is held by a German man who has collected 14,502 of these items. Okay, Ken, um, you said this word, which I also wrote down. And uh, is that right? Okay. And um, I think we'll go with this answer, right? All right, we'll lock that in. All right, Paul, when I think of a sucrologist, I'm thinking sugar, right? Yeah. Maybe sucrose. sugar packets? That's the first thing that kept in mind was sucrose. Uh, I thought so, sugar packets, yeah. I, I was thinking the same thing. Now, I'm trying to think. 14,000 sugar packets doesn't seem like a lot. But if it was like 14,000 distinct sugar packets, this person is Yeah, maybe maybe intense. that's the thing. I mean, because <laughs> if you picked up two or three every time you had a coffee, you know, five days a week, you're, you're getting 1,500 a year. So, I mean, that's only 10 years. Right, that's, it's that's only 10 years of stealing only. sugar packets. Yeah, I mean, Matt probably has 14,000 in his apartment right now. Yeah, that he's trying, <laughs> to, he's trying to get rid of on let go, but nobody wants them, so. I don't think you understand that I've had 16 different varieties of sweet-in-law. <laughs> um, yeah, so I didn't even think about sugar packets, but that totally makes sense. Uh, also being a former barista because we had someone every day who came in with 18 packets of uh, sugar in their iced coffee. But um, we just locked in with crystals. We thought the sucrose angle, and we said, well, maybe they're sugar crystals, and we just reduced it to crystals. So the answer is... Um sugar packets yeah all right paul yeah nice and one. it was 14,502 individual ones in his wow. collection different ones yeah wow. um so question eight uh musicians what singer and bassist was born gary weinrib to holocaust survivors in toronto his stage name derives from the way his mother would pronounce gary in her thick polish accent his band's song red sector a is based on his mother's experience in concentration camps and I'm looking for the artist, not the band. I'm pretty sure I got this, Paul. So mispronunciation. Right, so Jewish. Jewish. Canadian. Mispronunciation of Gary. So I'm thinking of Getty Lee. Ah, today's Tom Soy. Okay. Yeah, I like I like Getty Lee. <laughs> um, he's about the right age. I, I was too thinking the Rush frontman and bassist uh, Getty Lee. And that's correct. It's Getty Lee. Good, Good job, job, guys. Yeah. yeah, great question. Question nine is coincidences. On December 23rd, 1971, Julian Kopke was the sole survivor of a plane crash in the Amazon rainforest. The documentary Wings of Hope revisits the scene of the crash and the path Julianne took to be rescued. Who directed this film? And coincidentally, this German director was also supposed to have taken the doomed flight when he was in Peru scouting for his film, Aguirre, the Wrath of God. Okay. Do you um, think this director wanted to see the baby? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, that was my first guess. Right, you want to just go with it? it. Okay. I don't really know a lot of German directors. That's no. why I thought I could get away with that. Yeah. <laughs> I, that sounds familiar, but it doesn't make anything happen in my brain. So I'm thinking of the guy who directed the um, documentary with the, like, Bear Man or whatever, the Grizzly Man. God, the guy I'm thinking of even had a role briefly as, like, a, a owner of a a horror house in Parks and Rec. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Am I yeah, right? That's him. That yeah. it's him. Yeah. Ha! No, <laughs> this is why it's making me mad because I'm pretty sure it's him. So he was also. Is in this the, the house they sold that yeah. Andy and April bought? Yes. All right, hold on. Let me just do the alphabet trick real quick. 
No, I'm not pulling it today. Sorry, Paul. I feel bad. I, I'm pretty sure I know who it is. I just He's on the tip the of my tongue as well. I know who you're yeah. talking about as well. But... So, so Jeff was trying the alphabet trick, which might not work because if you go to W, it might sound like a V. So he said, uh, Werner Herzog. Yes. <laughs> and it, it is Werner Herzog. And if you ever get to see Aguirre the Wrath of God, that is the craziest film I've ever seen. It's, it's a very unique film. You're right. The pronunciation wouldn't have let me down. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Question 10. Olympians. What is the nickname of Epke Zonderlin, the first to win gold in three world championships in men's gymnastics on the high bar? He would also win gold in high bar at the 2012 Olympic Games. Zonderlin shares his nickname with a famous opera and a recurring character in SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, okay. Collected. Great. I could name about four characters in SpongeBob. Gary, one presumably... Squarepants, I would guess, is his last name. Uh, Patrick Starr. We have uh, Sandy Cheeks. Sandy Cheeks. Squidward Tentacles. Plankton. Uh, Plankton. We've got uh, Mr. Krabs. Um, First name Mr. <laughs> they wouldn't call him Mr. Krabs, would they? <laughs> On the bears? <laughs> he, he was known for getting around the Olympic Village, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, if he was a beach volleyball player, I could see Sandy Cheeks, but. Um, <laughs> The Flying Dutchman? Yeah, I was wondering about oh, that. Maybe. Oh, yeah, because if he's Dutch, he'd be the Flying Dutchman. Yeah, yeah we'll lock. Yeah. <laughs> Let's lock right. in the Flying Dutchman. Good job, guys. Yeah, a lot, lot of great hints on this one. Excellent question. We also said Flying Dutchman. Yep, and it's the Flying Dutchman. Cool. These and- questions are generally very excellently written. Yeah, they're, I have to say. they're great. Especially for somebody new at the trivia game, as you said. <laughs> excellent, excellent writing. Amazing. Uh, well, it looks like after round one, um, these teams are very uh, evenly matched. We're both tied at 60. So uh, what do we have in store for the swing round, Bettina? Okay, so the swing round is on surnames. So I'll give you the names of two or more people, and you tell me the surname that they share. So, for example, um, basketball coach of the Chicago Bulls from 1988 to 1998 and the president whose image will soon be replaced by Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill. Yeah, that'd Jackson. Be Phil Jackson and... Uh... Yeah. Andrew Jackson. Yep. So, um, okay. So question one, shared surname of social influencer whose great uncle was the first of Elizabeth Taylor's seven husbands and conjoined twins, Violet and Daisy, that are the subject of the Broadway musical Sideshow. Um, Question two, shared surname of American golfer known for his swing technique and winning all four major golf tournaments and ring name for wrestler Terry Bollea, who headlined eight of the first nine WrestleManias. Um, Question three, shared surname of brothers Wynn and Will, founders of Montreal-based indie rock band Arcade Fire and Scottish actor who voiced Stoic the Vast in the How to Train Your Dragon series. Um, Question four, shared surname of first openly LGBT person to moderate a presidential debate and comic book character portrayed by Lily Reinhart on CW series Riverdale. Um, Question five, shared surname of YouTube influencers and identical twins Ava and Alexis and the Simpsons character who you may remember in such educational films as Smoke Yourself Thin and Get Confident Stupid. Um, Question six. Shared surname of the shortstop who has won three Most Valuable Player Awards while playing for both the Yankees and Rangers, and New York City artist known for his realistic drawings of subway passengers 
who currently has over 2 million followers on TikTok. Um, question seven, shared surname of Grey's Anatomy actress who won the 2005 Tony for Spamalot and the serial killer known as Night Stalker who terrorized Los Angeles and San Francisco between 1984 and 1985. Um, question eight, shared surname of Ohio State running back who is the only recipient of two Heisman trophies and Emmy-winning comedian whose career almost tanked after posting a controversial anti-Trump video in 2017. Um, question nine, shared surname of Grammy Award-winning folk singer known for her albums Blue and Clouds, and Southern novelist who won the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction in 1937 for her only novel published during her lifetime. And then question 10, shared surname of Irish politician known for his leadership in the fight for Irish independence, and actress famous for pay playing Alexis Carrington Colby on the TV show Dynasty. All right. Well, we're going to... an oddly specific one. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to mull these over, and we will be right back with our answers. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more, we answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. And we have all the correct answers, I think. Right, right Neil? We're nearly... No, no nearly, misses. Nearly close to it. <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, let's get the questions one more time and see how we did. Okay, question one. Shared surname of social influencer whose great uncle was the first of Elizabeth Taylor's seven husbands and conjoined twins Violet and Daisy that are the subject of the Broadway musical Sideshow. Uh, yeah, we knew uh, Elizabeth Taylor's first husband uh, was... You the, knew. Well, I knew. Was the famed uh, Richard Burton, so we said Burton. Nope. Didn't, couldn't get it. <laughs> so actually, Elizabeth Taylor's first husband was Conrad Hilton... So I was looking for Paris Hilton, and then twins are Violet and Daisy Hilton. Okay. Um, shared surname of American golfer known for his swing technique and winning all four major golf tournaments, and ring name for wrestler Terry Bolia, who headlined eight of the first nine WrestleManias. I'd like to get in on the ground floor of this one. Uh, I do own a couple um, of his clubs, not uh, Terry Bolia, because uh, I think Hulk is more of a smash type. Um, but we want Hogan. <laughs> Yeah, kind of sad that there's no Australia reference here. But uh, do you want to handle this one, brother? <laughs> yeah, we went with Hogan. 
Yep, and that's Ben and Hulk Hogan. Um, okay, shared surname of brothers Wynn and Will, founders of Montreal-based indie rock band Arcade Fire, and Scottish actor who voiced Stoic the Vast in the How to Train Your Dragon series. All right, well, we know that um, this actor voiced a character in How to Train Your Dragon. He was sort of the comedic relief. I don't know if it was his uncle or whoever he was, but we said Ferguson. Um, and I'll take this one. Um, the Scottish actor that I immediately thought of was uh, Billy Connolly. And the answer is actually uh, Gerard Butler. So oh, we said went him. the wrong way. Oh. We said him Will too. Butler. I okay. forgot he was in that. He's great. Yeah. We had we had Ferguson and Butler, and it was a coin flip. Um, shared surname of first openly LGBT person to moderate a presidential debate and comic book character portrayed by Lily Reinhardt on CW series Riverdale. So originally Ken had mentioned uh, Maddow, but then I remember when Colleen watches Riverdale all the time, um, I know who Lily Reinhardt is. She plays Betty, and I was trying to remember Betty's last name, and I believe it's Cooper, which made me think of Anderson Cooper. So we said Cooper. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah, Anderson Cooper, Rachel Maddow would be great guesses. Um, we just guessed the last name Roberts. Yep, and Neil and Ken are correct. It's Anderson and Betty Cooper. Good job. Yeah, I don't know Riverdale, so that was never going to no. help. <laughs> um, question five. Shared surname of YouTube influencers and identical twins Ava and Alexis and the Simpsons character who you may remember in such educational films as Smoke Yourself Thin and Get Confident Stupid. Um, so I'll jump in with this. I think the uh, first name that came to my head when saying, you know, the Simpsons guy from such things as Troy McClure. Hi, I'm Troy McClure. Yep, and you're right, it's McClure. And my cousin Doug was actually named after Doug McClure, who is, um, he and Troy Donahue are the two actors that they modeled the character Troy McClure for him. So okay. cool. put a shout out to my cousin Doug, who also helped me uh, edit a lot of this. So. Oh, nice. um, six, um, shared surname of the shortstop who has won three most valuable player awards while playing for both the Yankees and Rangers and New York city artist known for his realistic drawings of subway passengers who currently has over 2 million followers on TikTok. We had a kind of guess on this one, but we went with Rodriguez. Mm, that's an interesting one. Uh, you know, I don't know anything about uh, baseball players or New York city artists, um, but I think Jeter is a shortstop. So I think we locked in with Derek Jeter for the baseball players. So Jeter is the last name. Okay. And once again, Neil and Ken are correct. It's Rodriguez, Alex, and Devon Rodriguez. Oh, yeah, A-Rod. And if you ever do get on like, even YouTube, he has a, a ma he's amazing. The Devon, the artist. He's... Is it the one I'm thinking of where he's he's on a train car and he, he draws them and then he goes, excuse me, and then he gives it to him? Yeah, that's okay. him. He is really, really good. Yeah, some he's... of them I'm surprised that people don't get angry because they're like on their headphones and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, you drew a picture of me. But Is Jeter even in the infield? He's a shortstop. Oh, okay, cool. Yep, just admitted Ooh. to the Hall of Fame. Nice. <laughs> At least we got the, you got that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel marginally less dumb. Yeah. Um, number seven, shared surname of Grey's Anatomy actress who won the 2005 Tony for Spamalot and the serial killer known as Night Stalker who terrorized Los Angeles and San Francisco between 1984 and 1985. Yeah, anytime I talk to someone about Grey's Anatomy, Colleen always likes to point out that uh, this actress was the Lady of the Lake in Spamalot, which is a really hard part as far as singing is concerned. And uh, we went Ramirez. Yeah. Thank you uh, to a huge dick. Uh, we said Ramirez because, <laughs> of course, I know the Night Stalker. So. <laughs> and that's correct. It's 
Sarah and Richard Ramirez. Number eight, um, shared surname of Ohio State running back who is the only recipient of two Heisman trophies and Emmy-winning comedian whose career almost tanked after posting a controversial anti-Trump video in 2017. I think the second one is referring to Kathy Griffin, so we said Griffin. Oh, crap. Um, yeah, I missed the part about being Ohio State because I was thinking, who do I know who's won two Heismans? And we said Simpson as the last name. So, And... Uh, it's Griffin. It's Archie Griffin and Kathy Griffin. Good job. All right. Um, I know y'all get, we'll get this. Shared surname of Grammy Award winning folk singer known for her albums Blue and Clouds and Southern novelist who won the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction in 1937 for her only novel published during her lifetime. This one is a hard one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think I got it because I do like... Joni Mitchell, and she's got Blue and Clouds as albums of hers. And so I think the other one is Margaret Mitchell, who mm. wrote Gone with the Wind. Oh, that's a great, okay. great point. We thought we were talking about Harper Lee, thinking that Ghost of a Watchman was posthumous, but maybe not. I think she was alive so for we that said one. Lee. That's where I was thinking so we said too Lee. originally. And it's Mitchell. It's Joni and uh, Margaret Mitchell. Well done. Very good, good for Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Um, and last question, shared surname of Irish politician known for his leadership in the fight for Irish independence and actress famous for playing Alexis Carrington Colby on the TV show Dynasty. We couldn't remember, and this sounds bad, but we were trying to think of what movie. It was either Daniel Day-Lewis or Liam Neeson, and they're, out, they're on the cover with a bunch of people. I don't know if it was union workers or not, and they're like rousing up the um, the people. And I can't remember if it's Rob Roy or there's another one that I know. I'm, uh, Rob Roy might be the period piece, like the really, really period piece. And I... No, there's another one, and I cannot think of the name of it. In the name of the father? I don't know. But we went with Roy. Um, the guy we went with, he uh, didn't step foot on the moon. Michael Collins. Collins, that's it. Um, that's correct. And it's Michael and Joan Collins. And what's funny about this question is I almost changed it because I said there's no way they're going to know anything about Irish <laughs> history. I was well, I, I didn't, I didn't think you guys, I, th I thought it might be a little obscure. So <laughs> then we have Paul on the show, so it works out. All right. Well, it looks like uh, Team uh, Cross Continentals picked up 25, bringing their uh, point total to 85. And uh, Huss, Huss over here, Huss over here, I don't know what Huss means, but I'm just going to go with it. Huss over here at same rooms uh, picked up 30, so we're at 90. So it's 90 to 85. So, um... Question one, famous families. What comedian and actor had a father who was a jazz concert promoter and an uncle who founded jazz and swing label Commodore Records? Their client, Billy Holiday, brought him to see his first movie, Shane, which featured future co-star Jack Palance. Okay, we're going to lock in over here. Uh, Jack Palance is most famous, of course, for doing a bunch of push-ups at the Oscars in his late 70s, early 80s, wasn't oh, it? Wow. Yes, he was a very fit man. Um, back in the day, he used to do like uh, anymore. side was planks he... off of a, the top of a ladder. He's definitely so, doing a plank city right now, that's for sure. Would he, he might he be in City Slickers. I don't, I don't know. He might be. With, it's definitely not Billy Crystal, I don't think, though. Well, this just, is... He was in the movie with him, but yeah, yeah. doesn't mean it was... Yeah. But, um, he, well, Billy Crystal is an actor and a comedian. <laughs> that is true. I mean, it could be Billy Crystal. There's no reason why it couldn't be. Yeah. No, I guess we can say Billy Crystal since we don't have a better answer. I'll have what they're having. Ooh, good reference. We also said Billy Crystal. And that's correct. It's Billy oh, Crystal. No <laughs> awesome. Oh, my gosh. 
<laughs> yeah, Paul, you guys did a great clutch. job. This is like people always say, like, "Paul, you're so good at trivia," and I'm like, "I was like, I'm not really. I just like people ask questions, and a and a bell goes off in my head, and it's just like I I didn't know I knew that, but <laughs> just came to my head, and I said it out loud, and it turned out to be right. Uh, I I think that a story Paul's I, like I, me, he's a gut man. It oh completely. Yes. Question two: Classic um, literature. In what 1870 sci-fi classic does the crew of the Abraham Lincoln set sail for the Pacific Ocean to look for a massive narwhal said to be destroying ships? Unbeknownst to the author, narwhals are found exclusively in the Arctic Ocean and are known to be docile creatures. And do, in fact, exist. Yeah, <laughs> which I they learned are... from Paw Patrol and my <laughs> four-year-old at not, the time. They are not unicorns. <laughs> yeah, I learned it from this podcast. I thought they were fictional. <laughs> I we're reluctant. Is that uh, Moby Dick? I don't know. I don't. I thought maybe Herman Melville's stuff was a little earlier, but the only other name I could think of is maybe like a Jules Verne. Um, is it Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea or something? Maybe that is Jules Verne, isn't it? Yeah, that's where my gut went. But he wasn't specifically talking about a, a narwhal in um, Moby Dick. I mean, that was always about. The, the big white whale. whale. Yeah, great white whale. <laughs> um, Moby yeah. Dick, sci-fi classic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, no, I, yeah, go for it. 20,000 okay. leagues. We'll go 20,000 leagues under the sea. Well, we second that. And that's correct. It's 20,000 leagues under the sea. Cool. Question three, movies. In 1973, Warner Brothers Studios achieved two firsts when it released in August the highest grossing martial arts film of all time, and then in December, releasing the first horror movie nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture. What were the names of these two films that Warner Brothers Studios produced? We're locked in. Highest grossing martial arts film. From 73? Is that going to be a Bruce Lee? I feel like Bruce Lee is the right play here, but I don't know many Bruce Lee titles that aren't Game of Death. And I uh, doubt that one did that well. Was Enter the Dragon? Ooh, it could be Enter the Dragon sounds good. And and for some reason I have the sixties in my head for the Exorcism or the Exorcist, but it could be seventy two. It could be early seven it does feel right. Do you want to go with Enter the Dragon and the Exorcist? Yeah, that's probably the closest I'm gonna get. Okay. I like your answers. We'll lock those in. Um, we also said The Exorcists, and actually the martial artist was Jackie Chan you were looking for, um, but he was actually just an extra in the movie because the star was Bruce Lee, so we said Enter the Dragon. That's correct. It's Enter the Dragon and Exorcist. Oh wow. <laughs> Paul, wow. Wow. awesome. <laughs> this, is this, is, this is your round. Far beyond my <laughs> expectations. <laughs> we should change their team name from Cross Continentals to the Gutmen. Yeah. <laughs> the look of the Irish. <laughs> nice. <laughs> So uh, question four is on anatomy. Um, the foveola radialis is also called the anatomical snuff box. It's in a name for an area on your body that was commonly used to sniff powder tobacco or snuff. Tenderness of the anatomical snuff box is an indicator in fractures of the scaphoid bone. Where on your body can you locate the anatomical snuff box? Pretty sure I heard <laughs> this before. having an issue here. <laughs> <laughs> And I kind of put this in because I figured y'all would get a big. I think laugh. we uh, lost Neil. <laughs> Neil has has perished. Sorry, my nickname in high school is the anatomical snuffbox. 
Oh, what a great question. I <laughs> the part of your body that's used to sniff tobacco sniff tobacco could it be something where you sniff in your nose but you only sniff the tobacco when it hits like the back of your throat yeah and you don't inhale something like that maybe is it like a trick like you think it's your nose but it's actually like in the back of your throat or your tongue because when the particles come back so i don't know you think maybe it's when you sniff stuff and it like goes to the back of your throat maybe is it something to do with the tongue or the back of the throat i don't mind tongue Tongue, yeah because the tongue has all those receptors maybe it works somehow okay Radialis makes me think of radius. So uh, something in around your wrist, maybe? I was thinking the same thing. So what I'm thinking of is, if I remember right, it's like the divot dimple on the back of your either wrist or like in between your fingers. Because I think they used to do it off the back of their hands. So Uh, I feel like it's on the back of the hand somewhere. Oh, now I understand the question a little bit better. Uh, and I get the feeling that I've seen it maybe in a movie or something where they literally put it between their their finger and their thumb, right? And like and literally yeah, see, like, yeah, sniff it and there. Like, yeah, usually I I kind of remember like on the off the back of the thumb, like in movies. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Do we want to say hand? And if we need to be more specific, we can go from there. Yeah, I'll go okay. with that. I think if you guys are right, ish, like that's good enough. Okay. Yeah, we that, will say the hand. That's where I've seen you with white powder before. And I know you use that on your hand. Powdered sugar. I love flour. You, you you put it on your hand and then you put the powdered sugar on your French toast. Oh, that's a nice way, a nice yeah. technique. Like a, sh- a sucralogist. Anyways, we said we said the tongue. I guess we were <laughs> lost. We were, we were lost. So, um, fractures of scaphoid bone are your wrist, and the anatomical snuff box is the back of your hand. So the hand is correct. Yeah, yeah I just completely misunderstood. Nice, great, question. Question. <laughs> great question. Yeah, it was good. So, question five is on serial killers. <laughs> serial killer Ed Gein has the notoriety of being the inspiration for three iconic horror movie characters based on his attachment to his mother and for wearing the skins of his victims. In the TV series American Horror Story Asylum, Zachary Kindo plays a character also based on Gein. What are the names of three of these four characters? You must name at least three of the characters, and I'll give you an additional five points if you can name the fourth. All right, we are going to go ahead and lock in, mostly because we know our movies. Yep. All right, Paul, what do you know about Ed Gein-based characters? Uh, I mean, just to the uh, mentioning, you know, wearing people's skin and that, Buffalo Bill came to mind. Yep, Buffalo Bill, perfect. I forgot his name. That's almost certainly one of them from uh, uh, Silence, Silence of the Lambs. Lambs. Yep. Um, the Quinto one, I have seen probably three seasons of... American Horror Story, and I think Asylum was second or third, but I cannot think of the name okay. of the character. Um, the other one is the serial killer in, uh, funny enough that we mentioned it earlier, um, uh, Bates from um, Psycho. Psycho. Psycho, yeah. Norman Bates? Norman Bates. It's not the guy from Seven, though, I don't think. Unless um, you know that character. The Kevin Spacey? Yeah, I don't know guy. his character. Just, just Kevin Spacey. Yeah, <laughs> monster in his own right. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's. Yeah, e- either one is 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 completely escaping me. Okay, so you're going with Norm Bates, <laughs> Kevin Spacey, <laughs> Buffalo Bill, Buffalo Bill. Yep. All right. Um, well, as for American Horror Story, we only know just a little Quinto of information about that. So we're not going to do that one. But we said uh, Norman Bates, Buffalo Bill, and Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, my God. 
So points again to Neil and Ken. Um, Norman Bates, Leatherface, and Buffalo Bill, and um, Zachary Quinto's character is Bloody Face, um, and he's also Dr. Oliver Threadson, so I would have done either one. So oh. I would have accepted either one, yeah. Uh, well, it looks like uh, no one here has a Bloody Face uh, as far as scores are concerned, because we're still very, very tight. Uh, it looks like the gut men are at 125, and uh, us over here at the same rooms are at 130. Question six is state capitals. Um in what U.S. state capital can you find the Congress Avenue Bridge, which has the distinction of being home to the world's largest urban bat colony? Approximately one and a half million Mexican free-tailed bats roost there each summer. All right, we'll uh, go ahead and lock in here. It's pretty much a guess, though. Santa Fe, New Mexico is a possibility, and Austin, Texas. And I figured if they were going to have a giant bridge to migrate under, everything's supposed to be bigger in Texas, so maybe it's Austin. But, that, that's the state capital of yes yeah, yes it oh, is okay we think uh yeah down by the mexico borders are kind of only hint here so we went with santa fe uh and points to jeff and paul it is austin nice okay uh question seven memoirs whose best-selling memoir barn a crime was released in 2016 the title refers to the author being born to an interracial couple, which was an illegal offense during apartheid in South Africa. South Africa would repeal this law in 1985, one year after the author's birth. I'm, well, I'm locked in, Paul. You're locked in? Yeah. Okay, it's the guy Trevor, from Trevor, Trevor Noah. Noah. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't think of his name. Trevor Noah. Yep, and we said uh, of Daily Show fame, Trevor Noah. And you're both correct. It's Trevor Noah. And I'm very excited because he's coming to Wilmington next week. And I got tickets. So <laughs> it's a wonderful nice. book, too. Cool. Um, question eight is animals. What African animal species, originally imported by drug lord Pablo Escobar for his private estate, is now considered an invasive species in Colombia? After Escobar's death in 1993, this species was too difficult to transport to nearby zoos, so it was left to wander in and reproduce in Colombia's Magdalena River Basin. Uh, we can lock in, Paul. Um, I knew this um, aside from watching Narcos, but um, yeah, it's great. Well, not great, but Well, this, this story is interesting, yes. So when, when you say river basin, we're not talking about, oh, maybe like crocodiles, right? That could be, yeah. I mean, I, like I African crocodiles? I could see him wanting to have crocodiles like feed people too or something. Because when, when you say river basin and invasive species, I, I don't see like like a, like a giraffe or a zebra type thing that would like roam the savanna. I see more like aquatic like a or will, semi a wildebeest? semi-aquatic sort of thing. So I think crocodiles is the way to go. Okay. Paul, if I'm not mistaken, this is a, a, a terrestrial semi-aquatic animal that kills more people a year than almost anything oh, else. Hippos. Uh, hippopotamus. So I believe these are hippos. They have a huge... Huge invasive hippo problem. Uh, that's why they're wow. cha changing the name of the show from Narcos to Hippos. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And it, and they actually call them the cocaine hippos because of <laughs> Pablo Escobar, but it's hippos. Correct. Um, question nine is famous dancers. Jennifer Jones's national debut in the 1988 Super Bowl halftime show made history as it was the first time an African-American dancer performed with what dance troupe? This then 63-year-old New York-based dance company had been heavily scrutinized by civil rights activists for not previously hiring women of color. Okay. All right. All right. Neil, why don't you go with what you think because the only dance troupe I know is the Jabberwockies, and I don't think that's right. <laughs> All right. We're locked in. 
Paul, this might be because the only one I know is the Rockettes, but I think it might be the Rockettes, and they're an all-female group, so that would be my guess. Okay. I do not know any uh, dance troops, so definitely go with that. Okay. We're going to lock in with the Rockettes. Good thinking. Yeah, we, we went with the Rockettes as well. And that's it, correct? It's the Rockettes. Nice. Yep. And uh, my daughter's theater teacher was actually a former Rockette. So. Oh, oh, wow. Interesting. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Question 10 is on art. So, in a parody of a famous Impressionist's painting, UK artist Banksy added shopping carts and traffic cones to a pond of water lilies to show the impact of modern-day consumerism and pollution. What is the title of Banksy's work, which combines the Impressionist's name and a famous catch line from character Rod Tidwell in a 1996 Tom Cruise movie? Locked in. Funny, I watched a uh, YouTube video, Jeff. I, d- I did your move and watched a YouTube video about this uh, specific painting. Not the Banksy one, but the yeah. original one. Paul, do you know this one? No. Um, I tried, I'm trying to think of a 96 Tom Cruise movie. I mean, oh, Jerry Maguire? I bet you it's Jerry Maguire. Show me the Monet. Oh. Oh, my God. That's really funny. Yeah. Um, so we'll, I, do you want to guess that? Yeah, that's the only thing I, I can think of from okay, that time. Okay, we'll say, show me the Monet. Yeah, we're going to also say, show me the Monet. Nice. If it's Manet, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> nope, it's show me the Monet. You're correct, both Sweet. of you. Oh, I can't yeah. believe <laughs> Leatherface <laughs> prevented us from a perfect round. All right, at the end of regulation, it looks like the uh, team of same rooms are going to be at 160 going into the final round, and the gut men are at 175. So those are our points. Good round there. Very, very good round. Just missed Leatherface. Just, yeah, you guys were nearly perfect in that round, uh, and also nearly perfect are our Patreon supporters. So we just wanted to take a moment to thank all of you who helped support our show, including Bettina and Paul. Um, we just are using new mics today, not new mics, excuse me, new headphones that we uh, were able to purchase through the uh, support and help of our patrons. So if you'd like to, to join Bettina and Paul, you can go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast to get a lot of extra content, right, Jeff? Yes, you can. And uh, yeah, that was that was exactly uh, the affirmation we needed. So you can go to that website. You can get a, a bunch of new perks and audio and, and all that good stuff. And uh, we just very much appreciate all of your help to keep the show growing. And uh, today is uh, because of you uh, that we can hear each other. So thank Our you. Our supporters, practically perfect in every way. That's correct. And I, I believe that's the first time anyone's ever said that. So we should trademark that. Uh, but yes, thank you very much, Bettina and Paul, for being supporters. Uh, and if you'd like to join them, go to patreon.com. says Triviality Podcast. What are our final round categories, Bettina? Okay, so our final round categories are kind of a shout out to my uncle, and it's his favorite actor. So the categories are uh, The Godfather, Dog Day Afternoon, Heat, Donnie Brasco, and Devil's Advocate. All right, all the wagers are locked in. Looks like both teams are swinging for the fences here. All right, um, question one, The Godfather. What was the name of the Texas blues artist who played lead guitar on David Bowie's song Let's Dance and Godfather of Soul James Brown's Grammy-winning 1985 single Living in America? Question two, Dog Day Afternoon. What herding dog, whose name derives from the Scottish word for sheepdog, was originally bred in the region between England and Scotland and is consistently ranked the most intelligent dog breed? Question three, Heat. 
In June of 1991, the U.S. Air Force and Navy collaborated on Operation Fury Vigil, a mission to evacuate approximately 20,000 people from the Clark Air Base and U.S. Naval Base Subic Bay on this island country. What is the name of this country and what prompted this evacuation? Um, question four, Donnie Brasco. The movie Donnie Brasco is based on the true story of an FBI agent who infiltrated a mafia crime family during the 1970s. This crime family's name is commonly mistaken as the Italian translation for a certain type of fruit, but most likely derives from the Italian words for good and year. What is the name of the crime family? Um, question five, devil's advocate. Better to reign in hell than serve in heaven is a quote by a 17th century poet whose monumental work discusses the fall of Satan and the story of Adam and Eve. What is the name of the author who shares his name with Al Pacino's character in Devil's Advocate? All right, we will consider the answers and we'll be back. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping Family Road Trip Trivia podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages. Teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. All right, and we're back. Um, so let's hear the questions one more time and give our answers. Okay, um, question one, The Godfather. What was the name of the Texas blues artist who played lead guitar on David Bowie's song Let's Dance and Godfather of Soul James Brown's Grammy-winning 1985 single Living in America? Yeah, we weren't too sure on this one. We ran through a couple blues musicians. Uh, again, these are all for 30 points. Uh, we settled on Stevie Ray Vaughan because we I, knew he was uh, more of the uh, the Southern Texas sort of when I character. Think of Texas blues musicians, I go right to Stevie Ray Vaughan. That's correct. It's Stevie Ray Vaughan, who I think Sweet. is a genius. So <laughs> I, had to, I had to put him in because I like him. Um, dog Day Afternoon. What herding dog, whose name derives from the Scottish word for sheepdog, was originally bred in the region between England and Scotland and is consistently ranked the most intelligent dog breed? Yeah, first thing that came to my mind, um, I've always known them to be super intelligent kind of a dog. Love to have one as well. Um, I thought it was a collie. 
Yep. Uh, we had a dog that was part uh, Border Collie, and remember reading that uh, they're the smartest dogs, so we said Border Collie. And the correct answer is Border Collie. So Collie, I would say, is close enough, but it would they're be good. your judgment call. Yeah. They're good. And I was trying to give you a little clue because it was bred right in the, the region border. between. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As soon as as soon as Border Collie came out as an answer, I was like, I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Heat. Um, in June of 1991, the U.S. Air Force and Navy collaborated on Operation Fury Vigil, a mission to evacuate approximately 20,000 people from the Clark Air Base and U.S. Naval Base Subic Bay on this island country. What is the name of this country and what prompted this evacuation? I just could not put this one together. We couldn't come up with an intelligent answer, so we're passing, unfortunately. Yeah, looking at this, uh, when we think evacuation, we think of maybe it was like a humanitarian crisis. We don't think it was anywhere where we might have been actively engaged um, in like combat. Um, so that ruled out a few places for us. And then thinking about it, um, island nations, maybe Iceland didn't think it was that, uh, didn't think it was something like Japan, but there is one that the United States has quite a bit of a military presence in, and we guess the Philippines. And what was the event? Uh, volcano, probably. And that's correct. It was the oh. eruption of Mount Pinatuba wow. in the Philippines. Good stuff, Jeff. Yeah. It, I was was just really, like, it was really interesting how you got there. I was just <laughs> like, was trying to, I was like, what are all the places I know that have active volcanoes? After you said Iceland, I was thinking about active volcanoes, and I was like, it might be the Philippines. Well, I'm glad because we wouldn't have we yeah. wouldn't have got there ever. So. <laughs> so Donnie Brasco, the movie Donnie Brasco is based on the true story of an FBI agent who infiltrated a mafia crime family during the 1970s. This crime family's name is commonly mistaken as the Italian translation for a certain type of fruit, but most likely derives from the Italian words for good and year. What is the name of the crime family? So we took we took what we know from Spanish and Italian. So we were like kind of like bien, bene, and then año, and then we went with the fruit thing. We thought maybe banana. So we settled on banano. I thought maybe uh, Neil would have known this. He was teaching me about Donnie Brasco the other day. I had a note on my lawn saying, "Please reach out for help." Uh, I'm being followed by Joe Pistone of the FBI. I think that's the character name in yeah. Donnie Brasco, right? Mm-hmm. So I learned a little bit about Donnie Brasco the other day, but I left the Italian to Paul. So what did we say? Um, yeah, it was again the um, the good angle from uh, my trip to Italy. People are saying it's like, "Oh, va bene, va bene." I was just like. What are they saying? It's like, and they were like, "Oh, it means Jack, like, very good." And I was thinking, "Oh, maybe it's Bene." So we're gonna go with that. And uh, Neil and Ken got it as Banano. <laughs> banano. <laughs> what a bunch of bull. That was good. And Anyo is year. Yeah. Oh, that is that is incredible. <laughs> but welcome down to this last question, by the way. Ooh. Oh, okay. I know, I know my uh, people who are afraid of the devil, so. <laughs> The devil's advocate. Better to reign in hell than serve in heaven is a quote by a 17th century poet whose monumental work discusses the fall of Satan in the story of Adam and Eve. What is the name of the author who shares his name with Al Pacino's character in Devil's Advocate? Uh, we uh, went with uh, Milton. Paradise Lost. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I believe this is John Milton of Paradise Lost. I don't know anything about the movie Devil's Advocate, but... And the correct answer is John Milton. So y'all are both right. What a good way to end it. Brilliant. <laughs> what, good stuff. What a great way to end the game. Uh, it looks like Team uh, Same Room just couldn't come back to to get the gut men. So we're going to end over here with 250 points. 
But today's cream of the crop is the team of Jeff and Paul, the Gutmen, with 265 points. On balance, off balance, doesn't matter. I'm better than you are. Yeah. Wow. All right. Paul, what a... <laughs> I would We would have lost if it was, uh, you know, not for you, because uh, you, you pulled me around quite a bit there, and... Uh, you know, just one answer in the final, I would have not gotten Kali. So. Yeah, it's not often that you answer four in the final correct and you still you still fail. Yeah. It was a really <laughs> good, good good job from these guys to hang on. Very uh, good I, game. Yeah, I thought it was a, it was a great pairing. I, I was kind of humming and hawing, you know, all week. I was thinking, it's like, oh, my God, it's like, who would, like, be able to drag me out of a lot of tough spots? And I was thinking, it's <laughs> not like, a lot know, of Jeff, sports. Jeff's your, Jeff's your man. And not a lot of uh, pop culture. So, oh, and so the film lucky. references had other tie ins. So we were safe. Yeah. I, Except the, for Kevin Spacey. The that big was the low reason, point. When, when Neil first got in touch with me, I was thinking, it was like, if if he asked me who I have to go with, it's, it has to be Matt because if we if we got a sports question, I'm done. <laughs> you know, if it's American sports, it's done. <laughs> and then it was like, no, Matt. I'm like, you know, I, I'll. I'll See, I'll see. We'll go with Jeff. I think it was right. a really good parent. And Bettina, the, the the questions were great. I thought oh, thank you. they were really well put together. I mean, there was enough information to get where you needed to go and, you know, a lot of interesting stuff too. And I'm definitely and, looking up the How Deep Is Your Love Simpsons uh, yes. gag right <laughs> after this. Indeed, uh, Bettina. Very, very well done. Any, uh, any final statements from you before we get out of here? So should I shout out to people? Please. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, because there were so many people who helped me. Um, so I just wanted to give some credit. So my brother, Chris, and my cousin, Doug, my friend, Connie, they all helped edit it. And then the trivia team that I've been with, Gwen Long, Kevin, and Hing, play tested it for me. And then so many people from the crops, uh, crop, excuse me. And I'm sorry if I don't remember their names, but Nathan, Jane, Sean, and Lewis were some of the people who helped me too. So y'all have a great, um, great very nice uh followers and the crop was very helpful and i really yeah, appreciate it they are very helpful very and nervous nice. coming on and they kind of massaged you know all of my concerns so. very good. and of <laughs> yeah. course the academy and the don't, academy. don't forget to thank the academy yeah right i feel like this went really quickly from me listening to triviality to to being a patron supporter to being like asking a question whether you needed questions to being a host it was like it's yeah. a whirlwind so it's Thank you. Thanks for that opportunity. Thank you very much for uh, <laughs> for for that quick turnaround. And um and Paul, who besides the academy would you wish to thank? Oh well, first of all, thanks to you, lads. I mean, a really good show. I mean, I've always considered myself to be, you know, just kind of sitting back in the, you know, in the off in the wings. You know, I've always been a kind of a, you know, long time listener, first time caller type thing. I never thought I'd actually get on the show, and I never looked to. I was like, oh, I'm happy listening, but it's actually really good fun to get on. And you know, Bettina put together some really good questions um obviously thanks to my fiance and and family for um uh getting me ready for the last couple of weeks asking me random questions every now and again and we, we you know over the last 18 months we've been doing the odd family trivia night um to keep everyone sane um and, it, and that was really fun but um yeah it was great crack coming onto the show and getting the win with jeff even even better yeah, thank you, Paul. And we're always happy to have people on who will who will shower us with praise, right? Of course, <laughs> yeah. Well, that'll do it for today. Uh, we thank you again for coming on, Paul, Bettina, for Jeff, Neil, Matt, who is in a lake, do we say? He's in a lake right now. He's underwater. And myself, that was Triviality. So, um, by the way, I looked up the term 
uh, Flying Dutchman in the Urban Dictionary. It's, it's crazy. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to connect with y'all because you talk about Dutch boy, and I was like, I wonder if that has anything to do with the Flying Dutchman question. Oh. Wrong, yeah, look, wrong look it up for Urban Dictionary. You can't you can't say it on the air. If, or don't. Or don't. Because if Dutch Boy is walking around Amsterdam, he'll do it for half the price. <laughs> <laughs>